0: hey guys welcome back to the power and lifting podcast i'm your host solana lewis and on today's episode i speak with usapl powerlifter mel mitchell she is competing at the virginia pro meet happening in a few weeks in the masters division and we dive into her life before powerlifting how she pushed herself to climb the rankings as a member of the military and as a cop to becoming a sergeant, and we talk about how she got into the sport of powerlifting and what she is planning to do on meet day coming up soon. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to talk to you guys about Girls Who Powerlift. Girls Who Powerlift is an awesome company that has amazing apparel, has an awesome Facebook community, has an awesome Instagram page. They're literally just dedicated to making the sport of powerlifting for women become even greater. And they are very supportive. And the new clothing they've been dropping has been awesome. They have t-shirts with the best sayings. They have nice fitting shirts with built-in sports bras, some of them, which are fire. They have the cutest sports bras in general and their pants. The ones they've been dropping lately, especially the essential leggings, they fit good and they will make you look good. So, if you want to look good in the gym, go ahead and copy stuff from Girls Who pile Up Apparel by using the support link in my show notes. And, guys, if you're interested in coaching Solana Lewis training, is always accepting applications and they're always being added to the wait list. If you're looking to up your game in powerlifting, do your first competition, or even become a better powerlifter, go ahead and use the link in the show notes to apply for coaching. And let's get to today's episode.
1: Yay yeah, I <laughs> How How you doing, girl? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Yay! I'm fantastic. Yeah. Yes, i I started my new job working at the airport. I'm I'm an I'm an airport police officer now. So uh...
0: so that's cool because I know a little a little bit about your history of work and that I saw you recently retired. So yeah. I was gonna ask you, like, yes. what's Mel gonna do next? So yeah, now yeah. I get to know early. So that,
1: now we're working on retirement number two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so wait, so before we dive into how being a police officer at the airport is one big reason I wanted to talk to you Mel is like you have like such an interesting like history like life like I remember I was talking to you in that cafe with Sam and it was like oh yeah ex-military and I'm a cop about to retire move on to the next thing and blah 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 And I was like that's a lot wait that's like a lot in like one sentence like we can unpack that probably for hours like what that was like so like what made young Mel join the military and like how old were you when you well, did
1: I, that well actually I, I joined the, the the Marine Corps right out of high school okay. and, and I actually signed up like, like probably like a, a, a few months before in the delayed entry program okay and I was I was raised in Bentonville Arkansas which is the home of Walmart so you did two things you either went in the military or you worked for Walmart so I was okay like, so let me go join the military so th- that, that's what I did And I was a hydraulics mechanic on A4s, which is a long since retired aircraft. So I did like, you know, brakes, landing gear, that sort of thing. That was my job in the Marine Corps. And uh, when I came home on leave, my recruiter was like, hey, you want to apply for the ROTC scholarship? I was like, sure. So I applied for it. And then, you know, I went from like home to NAS Millington out near Memphis, Tennessee, got my A school and I was in uh, California, Southern California, you know, just turning wrenches. And I got a letter in the mail that says, you know, this was like April of 1987, you've been selected for an ROTC scholarship. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I went to the University of Memphis back when it was Memphis State. That was back in fall of 97, graduated in May of 91. And I got my commission in the Navy because back in the Stone Ages, there weren't, there weren't a whole lot of uh, opportunities for a women Marine officer. So I made the switch to the Navy because there's a lot more career opportunities. And then I did the, uh, the Tom Clancy stuff, for you know, the tracking from shore. And I got stationed in ADAC, Alaska uh, for my first duty station. Spent 18 months out there and then got stationed in Norfolk, Virginia in March of 93 and just never left. I was about to say, wait, that's where you are now. (laughs) And then uh, in August of 1999 is when I got out of the Navy. And then in January 2000, that's when I joined the Norfolk Police Department.
0: Whoa, okay. Wait, how was Alaska? Like, what was it like living in Alaska? Well, I was on the Aleutian
1: chain, which is way closer to Russia than the United States. So pretty much uh, you were either, if you were a hunter or a fisher, you know, if you like to hunt and fish, it was great for outdoors. It was kind of a depressing place because it was cloudy and you know rainy all the time. And I st- I was a watchstander, so whenever like the sun would come out, the captain would be like, "All right, you go over the loudspeaker, sunshine, liberty." I was usually standing watch that day, so <laughs> you know everybody else is going to enjoy the sunshine, and I'm still standing watch. But uh, it, it was it was a neat place. I mean, I'm I'm glad that I did. And if you didn't like hunt, if you weren't in the hunt or fishing, you were either drinking or in the gym. So. <laughs> Mel enjoys her spirits <laughs> and I was also you know in the gym so
0: <laughs> so you were already lifting at this point
1: well actually I started lifting right now see I'm 54 so I've been lifting literally like, like about 40 years because I started lifting but okay. when I was a teenager in high school my uh m- mom let me you know get a, a weight set you know so in one of the spare rooms you know I had like you know my barbell and my bench and all that
0: so I, you been, were lifting at 14. I've been doing this for a long time. But you didn't find powerlifting till like pretty recently-ish right? Wasn't it wasn't only a few years I, ago? It was a, a the summer of 2017. So four years ago. So you've been lifting for like ever 40 years yeah. <laughs> forever. But you so how did you find powerlifting then? Well what had
1: happened was <laughs> and I, I had also dabbled into like the half marathon training and running. Cause I thought, okay, well, if I want to, and I was those people, you know, if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to, you know, run and all that. And I hated running my body, hated running in pain all the time. This was like, you know, 20 years ago when I was doing that foolishness. So one of the guys <laughs> who used to work for me, joined the iron asylum. He was telling me about this gym. Cause he, he worked out. We would always talk about work and stuff, you know? And he was like, he, he did this. He's like, Sarge, you need to go check it out. I was like, okay. So like a year later, after he had told me this, uh, I went to the iron asylum to, to you know, to uh, work out and I figured, okay, I'm 50 years old at this point, I'm not going to get any stronger. So let me, you know, let, you know, let me just try to, you know, do something a little bit different. And, you know, they offered a free fitness assessment and that, that uh, uh, guy at John, he ended up being my, my first coach. So uh, I hired him because I was like I'm oh, 50 years older, I'm never getting any stronger, but let me at least try to work out, you know, efficiently, make sure I'm using proper techniques and all that. So we did a couple of training sessions and he's like, hey, Mel, you ever thought about getting into powerlifting? And I was like, well, no, but sure, let's give it a try. And that was like in June or July, because in September, this gym was helping sponsor a meet. It was, just, it was just a local meet in conjunction with CrossFit events and a bunch of other stuff. So we started training for that. And I was like, hey, <laughs> after that first meet, I was like, I like this.
0: Yes.
1: And, and uh, so. You know, I, I did well. You know, I, I, at the first meet, you know, rel- yeah, relatively speaking, my first cop squat was actually a pause squat, but <laughs> it, it was hilarious. That's uh, me learning to squat to death is like a whole nother podcast in itself. Because <laughs> uh, Sam had like done a seminar like a couple weeks before. And I, I mean, I really had issues squatting to death because in all the time, all of my lifting, I had never done a proper competition squad. So my you yeah. know what I was asking it to do. So she held a seminar, a, couple, a squat seminar a couple of weeks before the meet, you know, she's like, you know, Mel, you might want to consider opening with the bar so okay, okay. And, and then it, you know right, luckily it clicked and you know I had no issues there so I did another meet uh a brute strength which is another gym in is a gym in Norfolk they had a meet and that was my first experience with the squat bar and the deadlift bar neither of which I'm fond of and uh my coach uh became a defense contractor so he wasn't able to handle me at my meet so I got a chance to handle myself at a meet which I'll never do again <laughs> So all good experience. You know, I did really good at the meeting. I was like, yeah, you know, I like this. And uh, so he had left and, you know, I was like, I, you know, I want to continue doing this. So I need a coach. Well, you know, who am I going to ask you know, to be a coach? And obviously Sam's, you know, the appropriate choice, you are know, mm-hmm. well, not appropriate, obvious, you know? So I, yeah, I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, you know, have you got you know, room for another client? she's like, absolutely. And then the rest is history. Oh, the rest is history. This Sam Strong became your fam. Yeah, because like I said, look, we're coming up on four years, December 27th.
0: Nice.
1: And I never will remember that, that first session because my other coach had, had me on really low volume training. So what I'll do to warm up now is more than what my entire workout would <laughs> be. So that, that first workout is December 27th. By the end of it, uh, I remember being in so much pain. I came home, you know, I'm riding in pain on the couch. My entire body hurt. It didn't, you know, the only I, knew, I could text and I could breathe. Those two things hurt. Everything else did.
0: Oh my God. And, and the man then, like, tried to kill you. That's what I think. <laughs>
1: but uh, killing me would be bad for business. So, um, it would be. and uh, then a couple days later, I came
0: back and just kept coming back. So you're one of those crazy people who likes pain. <laughs> that did not stop you from <laughs> continuing. Well
1: I, was, well, I was born, I was, you know, I'm a dinosaur. So I, it was the whole, you know, back in the the 90s, you know, no pain, no gain, all that. Food that and is stuff. true.
0: That is true. Plus, I think all pallets are a little bit crazy. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> when you look at what I've done for, for a living for like the last 20 some years, you know, I got to
0: have a screw or two loose. Well, it, it's pretty insane though because, like Mel, at what point did you become a cop? Then
1: that was uh, January of January twenty fourth of two thousand is when the Norfolk Police Department hired me. But okay, uh, probably like say in ninety seven ish or whatever. You know when I realized, all right, you know what. I need to make a nice, graceful exit for the Navy because this is not where I want to do, you know, for the next, you know, like say 12 years or so. So, you know, I need, because I had worked for people who had been in you know, too long and they should have got out a couple tours ago. And I was like, I'm not going to be that way. You know, when I stop having fun, it's time for me to find something that's going to make me happy, you know, mm-hmm. and I can earn a living from it and I'll just make a nice, graceful exit and move on. And I, even when I was like a young kid, I mean, I was like all over the place, you know, and this is back when, this is like back in the dark age, back in the, like the seventies, you know, I was a young girl. So at one point I wanted to be a fire pilot. At one point I wanted to be a firefighter. At one point I wanted to be a truck driver. I wanted to be a writer, you know, I you know, I also thought about, but the one th- also like of lifting, one of the things I'd always had an interest in was law enforcement. So mm-hmm. I was very, I was very fortunate, you know, at the time, you know, the Northern police department gave me an opportunity and said, come join us. And I did.
0: So I, I was and very, so do you feel like being in a Navy, like significantly shaped who you are today? Oh, a- everything
1: did. I mean, between certainly probably the best decision I made was join the Marine Corps. That was without a doubt, but that was what I needed, you know, when I got out of high school, you know, because actually when I, right before I got out of high school, my mom passed away from pancreatic cancer. So, you know, mm-hmm. I was able, you know, to get some structure, you know, some good life skills to start on. And then I was fortunate, you know, they gave me an opportunity for, you know, for college. So that helped me out. It also taught me all that taught me to be very thankful for the opportunities that I was given. And then my mom instilled the work ethic of, you know, you know, you're going to have to, you know, be twice as good. You can do anything you want, anything you want Even Back when I was wanting to be a fire pilot, she was like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. You're just going to have to work hard. And, and she mm-hmm. worked or three jobs. So she has still helped, you know, I had the example for a work ethic, you know, she instilled it in me and, you know, I just
0: was fortunate to have all these opportunities and to be able to take advantage of them. So like, what was like a big challenge then when you were in the Marine Corps? Like, you're like looking back now and you're like, yo, like it helped me so much, but going through all those changes to give you structure, like, was that hard to like handle?
1: Uh, At at times it was, but it's like, you know, you got to do it, you know, it's just that, you know, there is no quit, you know, I was in the Marine Corps, there is no quit. Okay, this is hard, but you know, you're, you're going to do it in some way, shape, or form. And I, I did ha- I had self-confidence. So some way I'm going to get this done, may not know how, but it's, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way and it's going to get done. So nice. and those are skills that helped me in the police Academy, you know, when, and I was one of those people that, you know, physically, you know, I, you know, I was very strong, but still, you know, there was things that I, you know, that I struggled with and I had to work a little bit harder and that was just it. I just got to work a little harder because, you know, this is my goal. I'm going to do it. It's just, it may be a little bit harder. I may have to do some remedial training, but I'm going to do the training. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to find some way, somehow it's going to get done. And then once I, you know, got on the street, it's like, you know, I'm going home at the end of the shift, you know, I get a call, may not know. You know, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to handle this? I'm going to figure out a way I'm going to handle the call. And at the end of the shift, I'm going home End the story.
0: Were there people who like would stay late? Is that where you're like, you know, I was like, I'm going to go home and I'm done? Well, no,
1: it's an, at the end of the shift. But sometimes, yeah, you know, there's been occasions where, you know, at the end of the shift and I'm home, I'm like, ooh, that could have turned out bad. <laughs> but, you know, in, in the moment, it's like, all right, you know, in some way, uh, you know, we're going to get this handled. We're going to win. We're going to go home. That's it. End of story. There's no, there's no question. Now, at the end of it, it was like, ooh, <laughs> that could have been bad. And other times it was like, ooh, I was more lucky than good, but, you know. At the end of the day, I'm going home and I'm gonna find a way to accomplish whatever it is I need to accomplish. May not know how I'm gonna do it, but it's gonna get done.
0: Hey hey man, you got it done. Um, One big thing too that I always have to ask when I'm speaking with someone who was in the military long-term, especially African-American woman, like was, do you feel like you were treated differently than your non-African-American peers while being, serving in the military? Not at all.
1: I mean, I I was very fortunate. I mean, this was like even back in the 70s when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, as long as I did my job, and I did it well, and I was putting forth the effort, I was good, good to go. But you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, when I got yelled at, I 100% deserved it. So, you know, they weren't picking on me, you know, it was, you know, I, I deserved it. And, you know, when I was in the Navy, you know, there were some personalities that I had to deal with that were not particularly pleasant, but it wasn't anything directed towards me as an African-American you know, you know, know, officer. It was a function of these were not always the nicest people <laughs> and they were not exactly people persons. So it wasn't anything personal. It was just their personality towards everybody. It wasn't just me.
0: Yeah. Wow, I'm actually loving hearing that because I've had a conversation before like, yeah, no, I was definitely treated very differently being African-American.
1: And like I said, other people have had different experiences. You know, when it came mm-hmm. to the people, the, you know, that I was assigned to work with and work for, that was not an issue. And the places that I worked, that was not an issue. But it's not to say that in other parts of, say, the Marine Corps as well as the Navy, that other people, you know, were, were having a tough time.
0: Man, that's like but that's so cool though. Like you were like you feel like you were treated equally, I, and you were you pushed all the way through, and like you had I, a long career. in there (laughs) which i'm sure looking back now the benefits are pretty cool right oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely you know
1: and and everything happens for a reason you know i've had great highs and great lows but you know if all if things had happened differently i wouldn't be where i am right now and i wouldn't trade where i am right now for anything in the world
0: so then what made you so now skipping to like more recently you just said you well you said earlier you are now an airport police officer, right? Right for the Norfolk Airport Authority. Yes, for the Norfolk Airport Authority. So, what made you close the chapter, close the door on being a police officer? What was your exact title? I, I was a police sergeant. I, I was a street supervisor. sergeant. Yeah. Okay. What made you close the door on that and move on? Because that was like well a month ago, like two months ago. Well, it, well, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, it's a function of, I made it to sergeant and, you know, I wasn't, for a number of reasons, you know, that was, that was as far as, you know, as I needed to go. The sergeant's like the best job in the department. So knowing me and my personality, that was, that was the best thing for me. So uh, what I was able to do was, you know, transition from that job to, to the job that I currently have, currently have now. So it was a function of, you know, I have to decide, all right, you know, I, as far as promotion wise, you know, that this is it. You know, I'm having a good time, but I would like to do something a little bit different. You know, just, just a little bit, you know, just a little bit different. So, which can be good. So, you know, I uh, the, uh, there's an opening for the airport came about, and I was, I went through the process. I was fortunate enough that they were like, Mel, come join us. And I was like, sure. And so, uh, it worked out very well. And now I'm getting to do different things, you know, I'm kind of like energized. because, like anything else, if you do something for long enough, sometimes, you know, uh, you just need a different challenge. You need change. And I like like, good? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it, change can be a good thing you know cuz i like to be you know fresh and you know I, it was time for me you know for to get a different challenge and to move on so you know i was very i'm very thankful this opportunity came about cuz i'm still able to do the job i'm able to learn about you know different things it's a different environment you know i still have a job to do you know it's not particularly you know exciting most of the time but it's very important and you know i still need to to go out there and do a good job so if god forbid something does happen i'm prepared respond appropriately and handle it
0: and so for someone like me who like really doesn't understand the difference between like a a cop and a sergeant I'm like you all wear a uniform and you are talking about the law like what makes a sergeant like the best job or one of the best jobs in the department
1: well as a a sergeant you actually have the biggest impact uh, on people because I know when I first came on I've worked for some really good sergeants and some really not but you know the that good sergeant is kind of in a way. It's, it's my guys were kind of like my kids. You know I don't have any children. However, you know my platoon, you know running a platoon and making sure everybody is you know fed and watered. That's kind of like having kids as far as you know getting calls at all hours of the day and night. But again, it's really important you know for, for a young officer to have a to have a have a sergeant that's gonna you know uh, you know hold them to a high standard, but also be there to support them, give them a kick in the behind. Uh, you know, w- w- when they need it, and also to mentor them, and because and I made a whole bunch of mistakes, and I told my guys, you know, I got a PhD from the School of Howard Knox, I was like, and I would tell them about the dumb stuff I did when I was a young <laughs> officer, because Mel did a lot of dumb stuff, but I told them, you know, you don't have to make the same mistakes I did, you can learn from my mistakes, save yourself some grief, you know, and they're the best joy I ever had is some folks I've known from when they first came on and now some of those people, you know, are sergeants getting ready to go up for lieutenant. Uh, seeing seeing the growth, you know, from an officer that just gets cut loose from field training, you know, and I mean, cause I was there once too, <laughs> but seeing that officer go from, you know, somebody, you know, who, you know, I'll, I'll say, sometimes I don't really have a clue to an officer that's, you know, you get to the see, they're in charge of the scene, they're running the scene, they're like, sergeant, they I got this, this, and this, you know, seeing that professional growth and, you know, also getting to know my guys, getting to know, you know, their you know, their girlfriends, you know, their boyfriends, you know, getting to know, you know, everybody. I mean, that, the whole people aspect, that's, it's the best thing in the world, you know. It's
0: cause I was gonna say, it kind of sounds like you're like a teacher. Like yeah. you literally like, it's like you're the teacher and like all your children are growing up and you're like, I get to have such a huge impact. And, and I'm a firm believer. If you're if you're
1: a supervisor and you're doing it right, that that is the kind of kind of role. So that, that's the way that it should be done. Because I, I remember being a young officer, and and when I first got cut loose, you know, and I had yeah, you know, there were some sergeants, you know, that were a little bit harder to deal with than others. But there was no greater feeling than I get a call, I get on scene, I get all the information, I make my call. By the time the sergeant gets there, I'm like Sarge, you know, and I and I'm like rattling through, you know, everything I've done. And sergeant's like, okay, and drives off (laughs) because you know everything that he or she needed. You know, I got to taken care of, and that kind of pride and confidence that that's instilled in me, I wanted to instill that in my guys. So I mean, and it's and for doing and for doing the job, it's just it's one of the best feelings in the world. You know, it's you know second to when, You you get those calls and you actually especially when you know you've actually made a difference in somebody's life a lot of times we'll make a difference we'll never know and but later on you know they'll be like you know that was you know that officer you know changed my life we generally never never know about those things but uh every once in a while you know we have a call we're like you know what we did something good today no greater feeling
0: i've kind of so, real <laughs> no that's okay that's okay i love that um you said something huge you said like you are telling them the mistakes that you made that said they can learn from it and not make those mistakes so yeah, that's the goal yeah right I mean that's the <laughs> goal anyway like, even a parent right you're like kids yeah. don't do what I did right um what was one of the biggest mistakes while you were a cop that you learned from and that you got to kind of teach people to avoid doing when you became a sergeant
1: drive like you have some sense <laughs>
0: that's fair <laughs>
1: when I first came on, I, and of course, you know, we all we teach people in the academy, you know, to think you're invincible. And honestly, that's the mindset you should have, you know, when you have to work. But you know, I I tore up a lot of police cars, <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of cars. And you know, I and uh, the, I think, but my very last major accident, you know, it was only by the grace of God that I survived because I darned mm. near killed myself. <laughs> so and yeah, and I and I shared all of those stories with my guys. You know, when it comes to you know, when you're driving with, you know, your lights and sirens, yeah, you may feel invincible, but you're not, you know, and there's dangers of just, you know, people not paying attention, legitimately not hearing you. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole slew of things, you know, so I always try to impress upon my guys, you know, that I was like, don't do what I did, please. (laughs) And uh, so hopefully, yeah, they could learn from my mistakes, be a little more careful. And like I said, that was something that got my attention, you know, which was good, you know, but You know, probably the big guy upstairs was like, you know, it it took long enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm gonna give you one more chance. (laughs) (laughs) Like next time, not saving you. So yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was like, all right, dude. All right, you got my attention. I get (laughs) the. Well, I actually love hearing that because again, you're talking to someone who does not know much about like yeah. what, like the actual journey of being cop. I just know what one looks like. I know supposed to respect them. That's the extent of us law to know about cops, right? Yeah. But it's cool to hear that you're like, you know, hey, yes, we have like this, we have additional authority. We can do like cool stuff that, like the average citizen cannot do. However, sometimes we, we overdo it and we need to not. We need to not. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I always I always picture. I'm literally picturing like a movie where like you're like driving in between cars and like spinning okay. around because <laughs> you like you ruined some cop cars. That's pretty insane. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Well yeah. what's the fastest you drove in a cop car with your lights on?
1: Probably I'm sure I probably hit like, you know, one 10-ish at some point.
0: And like in Virginia too, like where everyone drives so nice. So I, I'm in Jersey now, you know, yeah. so I'm like, I can picture that in Jersey. Like in Virginia, people are probably like, oh my God.
1: <laughs> and then also when I was in traffic, I used to escort funerals and <laughs> which, you know, the, you know, the cities, you know, they don't look highly upon, you know, you, you drive them particularly fast within the city limits, unless mm-hmm. you're escorting a funeral. Literally, you know, you're escorting a funeral, you can be Mario Andretti you know, making sure that, you you know, you get to the intersection to stop traffic so the dead person can proceed. <laughs> Interesting to hear. <laughs> and, and it's, it's really kind of, uh, and like I said, I've gotten a little bit of trouble from, you know, some of the stuff I've torn up, but but seriously, when it comes to that, you know, you know, when you're escorting a funeral, provided, and I mean, if the weather's bad, that's a whole different story, but if the weather's good, you know, we were, you know, doing all sorts of stuff to get those funerals escorted. But, I, but I will say, when I was in traffic, I probably did like oh, well in excess of a thousand. I probably, no, it's probably several thousand funerals that, that I'd escorted. But there was mm. there was a, but there was a huge sense of pride when I was in traffic. Of you know, people a lot of times will be coming in, you know, for the service the service for their family member. You know, the only experience they may ever have with the Norfolk Police Department is whoever's you know escorting their funeral. So. You know that was something that me and the guys that I work with, you know, we took a lot of pride in to make sure that you know, the people we started with, you know, when we left the funeral home, wherever we were going to drop them off, everybody got there together and they got there safely.
0: That's really cool to hear that you were like, like you do have to really realize like you do this every day, but a lot of people have one interaction with like the police, hopefully one with the police, so. Yeah. So bringing it, so thinking about like the kind of schedule officers have, like what's been like your biggest obstacle with balancing training and work when you were like an officer, even if you weren't like technically powerlifting yet, you said you were always lifting.
1: Well, yeah. Well, the other thing is, is like uh, before I started training with Sam, I lifted around because I wasn't powerlifting. I just lifted around my schedule. You know, I didn't train off a night shift. I didn't train between night shifts. You know, I, I worked it in. So with 12-hour shifts is what I've been on for, I was on for like the last seven years of my career. Uh, the hardest part was, because tra- I got to get four workouts done in seven days. It doesn't matter if it's my five-day, 12-hour work week or my two-day, or 2 12-hour work week. Those workouts got to get done. So I'm mm. a male getting up at like 145 so I can get at the gym by three and be at work by six. There's that there's some ML training between night shifts. If I can't, you know, work, you know, work the schedule, if I got to work all, you know, can't get, a, you know, the time off, you know, there, there's all of that. So now I work nine hour shifts at the airport. So, and I will tell you, nine hours is way better than 12. So when I work day shifts, sometimes I'm still going to have to get up at 145 to get to the, to you know, to get to work by six, but on night shift, like I'm between nights, between nights now, I'm going to be training here in a little bit, but I'll be able to, uh, you know, it's a lot easier getting through the night, nine hours versus 12, but the work's got to get done. Yeah. And thankfully, like with the RPE, there's some days I get up, say, in the middle of the night, I'm at the gym at three. Some days I'm feeling like superwoman. Other days I'm trying to keep the struggle bus out of the ditch. Mm -hmm. It's just a function of just taking whatever's there for the day, get the work done, and then move on. And then also doing what I can to try to prioritize rest and as much as I
0: can which can be challenging, but it's pretty cool that you were able to make that work with the 12-hour shifts fighting the the week sometimes because that is tough. And no, No, (laughs) it sounds pretty horrible, actually. (laughs) Like like you're awake now for 16 hours. Oh,
1: Those days were painful. They were not pleasant, but work's got to get done. The work's got to get done. And I got to go to work site and pay Sam. So,
0: you know. (laughs) That is true, too. (laughs) You're like, this ain't free, so we got to get this done. Exactly so moving into now we have our nine-hour shifts we get a little more rest and recovery we're training hard for the virginia pro masters yes yes december 5th which i'm super excited i'm actually commentating for the masters too which i didn't know until like last week so (laughs) i know i'm excited about that how is training for the masters going the pro
1: going it's going very well going very well Going very well. Sam's very happy. And when Sam's happy, Mel's happy. But training's going well. Oh, Solid. What are we
0: looking to put up? Um, whatever Sam puts on the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair. Do you guys talk about what your goals are for me day the week prior? Or is it just like Sam, do whatever you want to do. Don't even talk to me.
1: Well, once we get a little a little bit closer, she'll come up with our game plan, you know, and she'll be like, hey, Mel, what do you think? And we'll have like a plan A, which is Mel's trying to keep the struggle bus out of the ditch, plan B, which is Mel's feeling, you know, normal, and then plan C, which is Mel's feeling like superwoman, so based on uh, how I feel that day, you know, I'll go through through warm-ups, and then I'll just communicate with her, you know, how I'm feeling, you know, whether, you know, warm-ups are feeling good, you know, how I'm feeling, I will get done with, like, say, you know, the first squad, she'll be like, you know, how'd it feel, and then I'll, and then I'll tell her whether it's, you know, harder than what I thought it was going to be or hey you know feeling good and so you know we'll communicate but you know she's got like you know the game plan but it, it's kind of like a collaborative effort but you know she'll like you know say hey what do you think of the numbers and I'll be like and like I said we'll base it on you know how training goes you know how training goes the last couple weeks yeah and my biggest goal is to execute and you know, take what's there whether I'm feeling like Superwoman. Or I'm trying to keep the struggle bus out of the dish because I I can't control, don't know how I'm gonna feel on meat day, but to take what's there and to execute. And if I execute all of my lifts, it's gonna be a good day. Gonna be a good day. But I have to execute.
0: Yes. And that's obviously what most people are thinking like on a day of. It's like no matter what is there, you have to go out there. Once the numbers point the bar, the goal is to push the weight up. <laughs> yes. Um, do you typically water cup for your meats? No, I, I did that once. Okay. I did that once and it
1: was the most miserable experience of my life. <laughs> and you said never again. <laughs> so well, I, well, I can't really say never because, you know, that I, I may have to do one later, you know, at some point in the future, I'd prefer not to. But, you know, well, I, I'm not going to say never. So we'll, we'll see. Well, what's your weight class? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a 57, which is 125.7 and below.
0: So that's saying, right? 57 is still staying? Yeah. Yeah. Is no, no, it's gonna be uh, 5660. Oh, does Mel have to start cutting? Not now, but like yeah. in general, would that be like? <laughs> well, we're gonna see.
1: We're, we're okay. gonna see. I, I, I'm not at the moment. I'm not real sure. You know, we'll we'll just see. I'm not real, um, because I love competing. So yeah, that's that. I, I'm gonna compete. Uh, I'm not gonna be. I don't plan on being miserable for like six months in order to do it. Mm-hmm. but normally I eat pretty well Mel enjoys her spirits so that's <laughs> those are the things you know that Mel does enjoy that you know when it's not around training but so we'll see okay we'll see uh because there are times when I've had a couple of weeks I've actually come in below 56 not even trying uh so I'm also now compared to like I think probably last time I did that I'm a little bit thicker and I expect to be a little more thicker come you know time for national so we'll see okay you know, but the the main thing is that, you know, is that I'm well fed. And now that I'm working at the airport, I'll be logging in many thousands of steps. You know, it could be anywhere from like, you know, 15,000 to 25,000 steps depending upon the day. Um, oh, Mel is good. So Mel will be fine. <laughs> so you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we, we will absolutely see. So I think probably after, after this meet, uh, give it a couple months. By that time, I'll know how my body's responding, you know, to the, you know, to the, and once it adjusts to what I'm doing, th- then I'll see.
0: Yeah. Like you're probably not getting a lot of stuff to the officer, right? Cause you're probably driving a lot or oh, sitting at desk. Most of the time. And, and especially as a supervisor, most of the
1: time, you know, I'm doing paperwork in the office, <laughs> driving around, you know, I'm not working all that hard. My guys are not me so much. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Now, now back to being
0: an officer, I'm going to be the one, you know, this, you know, getting all the steps. in. But hey, like you said, you wanted the challenge, like you oh worked God. your way up the tier, you got to the top, you're like, all right, I'm ready to like have to yeah. <laughs> do the brunt work. And I, and I like being active.
1: And, you know, throughout the course of, the, you know, the shift, we do have, you know, different things, you know, that, that we do. But, you know, it's kind of nice being able to interact with the public. And, you know, and having been a a, tra- a person traveling, and I consider myself pretty self-sufficient, there's been a time or two, I, you know, I was like lost in an airport trying to figure out where to go here, there, whatever. And there was a nice airport police officer that, you know, pointed me in the right direction. So, you know, there are opportunities to actually to help people. And again, you know, the person coming to the airport, that may be the only time they ever come into the city, depending on whatever, you know, the event was, so. You know, it's, you know, our, our job is to try to, you know, help them as much as we can.
0: Which is nice because I, I don't know if you've been to Jersey, but I always use, I always use Newark Airport and it's known for being like one of the most confusing terrible airports ever. And the I've people who that. are working, yeah, I mean, I know it like by the back of my hand because I've flown yeah. out there for years. Yeah, But, like, it's crazy because if I go anywhere else, now it's so easy because New yep. York is so horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but I would love to ask someone, like, you work in there, not that you're going to, because, like, legit, every time I go, the people are so angry. I always get like, early morning flights. People are so angry <laughs> that are helping. And I'm like, oh, thank God I know this place because y'all don't want to help, do you? <laughs> Which will happen sometimes. I have a unique question for you. Okay. So, obviously... We, you're saying USAPL, that's what you always done, and plus you're with Team Sam Strong, and we have all this stuff with the, the um, what's it freaking called? Wow.
1: Powerlifting America or whatever. Is that it? Yeah, but
0: I was going to say, oh, the pro, I forgot pro series, right? Yeah. So I talked with Sam on the last podcast, and she's like, I'm staying with USAPL because I love my team, right? I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> what? I said, and we love her. Yes. I'm curious. Did you think that she might do the Palestine america and then how would you have felt if she had chosen it because she was very prominent about talking about how she's like yo i could not be that selfish but my team would let me be selfish right? we're well, just thinking well, mm-hmm.
1: well, we, we all love sam so you know whatever, and we, we want the best for sam so and we want sam to be happy so whatever sam needs to do you know to, you know accomplish her goals because she's helped us all of us so much more off the field I mean what she's done for us shall say off the platform what she's done for us you know on the platform pales for everything she's done for us as people so you know whatever Sam wants to do you know to better herself I mean we're all for it we would we would be her biggest cheerleaders
0: Mm. She's so happy to hear, but I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty psyched that she's staying with JPL. Cause I totally thought oh, yeah. she would. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean I'm very happy she's staying. You know, but you know, we we would absolutely be you know cheering her on. You know, had you know had she made the decision not to. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, so cool to hear. Are you excited about the pro series? I am. I need to get stronger, but I'm very excited. <laughs> Yes, but it, I think it's pretty cool. So I just like to hear our people's opinions who have been in the USAPL for a long period of time and you've been competing. How long have you been competing? Was it four exactly years? Yeah, I, my first competition was September of
1: 2017. So yeah, we, we just gone okay. over four years.
0: Nice, yeah. I think just cool to just be able to strive to like work up a ladder as not just nationals and that's it or like Arnold's nationals, that's it.
1: But like I said, but, but I am excited and it's really cool that the USAPL is actually starting To listen to his members, so you know, which is huge. We we appreciate that, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about the pro series, you know, and I, you know, I'm excited about getting stronger. That's the goal because I I have a whole bunch of goals, and the the secret to those goals is get stronger. Secret to
0: stronger, do what Sam says. It's it's a it's an easy formula. It it's pretty simple, as long as you execute the formula, you will continue to work towards your goal. Okay, so Mel, if you could tell your younger self one piece of advice for anything, can be lifting, can be life, whatever. Um, like if you could go about like 20 years until, or 30 years, whatever, and tell yourself a piece of advice to help you with life, what would it be?
1: You're gonna get through it. You're, you're, you're going to get through it. It may not seem like it at the time, but you know, as bad as this is, you know, you're going to get through it and trust the process. Because some of the what I thought at the time was some of the biggest disappointments, the worst things that could have ever happened to me. In the end, it turned out to be the best. Because if anything in my life had been different, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So, uh, and that that would be the biggest thing. You know, there is a process, you know, trust it, things happen for a reason. And you gotta believe that. And it took me a while, it took me a few decades to (laughs) to figure that out.
0: Just a few. You know, I think I've only started fully believing that like two years ago. I think it's because I'm younger that I was like, you know, like, you know, do everything really happen for a reason. But I'm like, no, I really think like as I see certain doors close my face and then like something else comes from it. I'm like, oh, like things can happen for a reason. (laughs) And the worst thing in the world to you in that moment may not actually be what's bad for you. It could be what's great for you. And you just didn't know.
1: Oh, exactly. I mean, there's other times when I look at some of the decisions that I've made at the time, I was like, you know, on face value, if there's a couple of things maybe if I had done this differently or that differently, on papers, for lack of a better term, that would have been a good decision. Uh, But now looking back, it would have been a horrible decision. You know, it would have taken my trajectory of my life in a totally different direction, which, you know, again, this is, I wouldn't trade now for anything in the world. I'm so
0: happy to hear that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so and, and like i said mel's got a lot of years left and you know I, i'm not real sure where this journey's gonna lead but you know I, i'm like you know strapped in i'm along for the
0: ride i love it okay i think my last question for you which i think well uh, let me just ask it okay. do you see yourself traveling in the future? Like, I know he's got this new job that's stationed in Virginia. But at one point we talked about how you're like, I don't think Virginia is my last stop. So where do you see yourself like moving on to after Virginia?
1: It would probably be Florida or Texas. I got I I got I got, I got great friends in both. One of my friends from college, uh, who I've known for since the fall of 1987, lives in Dallas. So, you know, and, and Texas is, and I've made multiple trips to visit her, you know, over the, over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. So Texas is a favorite place of mine. And I have other friends that are in Florida and that's, I went there last, last December. And then obviously at uh, nationals, that's another favorite place of mine too.
0: Okay. But
1: but I'm not ready to leave Virginia just yet. So. Well, you can't, you just took a new job. (laughs) Exactly. And I, and I gotta get, I get my second retirement too. So. (laughs) Oh, so you're trying to work. Yeah, because go I've got one retirement and then uh, I'm working on retirement number two. And my plan is when I retire from the airport, that's Mel's going to be done.
0: How long is that in a certain amount of time?
1: Uh, I could stay as little as five years, but, you know, as long as I'm having, as long as I'm enjoying going to work, you know, I'm gonna be there for a while so okay I enjoy going to work yeah I have because no, there's I had always planned on working after I retired so uh the retirement was just a little bit early so I've got many good years left so you know I could easily be working for the next you know 10 years or so I can do that too because I really don't mind working you know that yeah you know, that that is not an issue and you know, we, you know, we all know Mel's a people person. I can like talk to. I've made multiple friends over the years sitting in an airport. Multiple friends.
0: Well, you know what it is too. It's like you really think about it. Like, so do you want to like what retire and like, pick up seashells at the beach all day every day? Like what? Like you know, like work is actually if you love what you're doing. Yeah. it's very nice to spend your time doing that. Besides just sitting at the wall and staring at it. <laughs>
1: oh, I, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, I'm very fortunate, you know, and I want to be, you know, I'm going to be lifting, you know, until they put me in the ground. So that's my plan. And, but I also like being active and engaging with people.
0: And like you said, you're, I mean, duh, you're obviously a huge people person. So (laughs) I love this for you.
1: (laughs) So I, I'm really, and that was the other thing that I was kind of missing for the last few years, because my guys at the police department, you know, they're, they're out there answering calls. So normally when I'm going to a scene, it's it's a a scene of somewhat, some sort of significance, but I'm really not the one dealing a whole lot with the public unless, you know, somebody's asking me for direction or they want to complain on one of my officers, you know, or they may, you know occasionally they may have a question i don't really have the interaction that i used to like say when i was working in traffic and i was interacting with multiple people <laughs> every day so that, yeah. this, this is kind of
0: nice too i love that for you i really do <laughs> i do too but thank you <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on i have loved talking to you i cannot wait to commentate you at the pro and watch you do your thing Oh, I,
1: I, I'm so excited. And you, you know, you know, team SamStrong. you know, we, we love our girl Solana, you know, you're one of the team now. So
0: I'm like the, I don't even know what you call me. I'm like the unofficial member of <laughs> team SamStrong. strong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. I'll catch you later on the power lifted podcast. Thank you so much for listening.